SAP Concur Conversation podcast. Each episode, we sit down with industry experts, visionaries, and leaders as they share what it takes to build forward-thinking spend and travel programs. Our goal is to get you thinking differently about how your organization spends money. I'm your host, Jean Dion. I'm the Vice President of the Value Experience Team here at SAP Concur. My team works with our customers to bring positive business outcomes based on data-driven insights. And today I'm joined by Kelly Mormon as we continue our part two of our year in review. If you haven't listened to part one yet, please put a little marker there, write yourself a little note and go back to it after, but I don't think you'll get lost in it. Kelly, do you mind reintroducing yourself to the listeners? Of course. My name is Kelly Mormon, and I am a senior content marketing strategist here at SAP Concur. In my role, I drive content strategy and help build content programs cross-functionally, and I also am the executive producer of the SAP Concur Conversations podcast, where, as you already said, Jean, we dive deep into topics shaping the future of business travel and expense management. So Kelly's my partner in crime, and we had a little conversation earlier, and there were three big themes that we talked about in our part one. So Kelly, would you mind just kind of recapping that for the audience in case they haven't heard those ones yet? Absolutely. When we last talked, we discussed the importance of future-proofing your organization, and we underscored the strategic evolution of the finance function. We also talked about change management and how it's both an art and a science. And we discussed that while it's important to focus on providing the frameworks and tools to structure the change process, it is equally, if not more important to focus on the human element. So building relationships, managing emotions and fostering a culture of trust and collaboration, all of which are essential for successful organizational change. And lastly, we discussed how digital adoption, automation, and AI technologies have the potential to significantly strengthen businesses by increasing efficiency, reducing costs, improving productivity, enhancing the customer experience in some cases, and enabling all-around better decision-making and providing a competitive advantage in the market. So... While these three were discussed, I know we have some more to talk about, and these next ones are just as big, as all-encompassing, and really as interesting as the ones that we had last week. So would you mind starting us off with our first theme? I would love to, and Jean, I am going to start us off with a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart, business travel. Oh my gosh, you're right. Let's jump right into that, shall we? The fourth theme that we heard time and time again last season is that travel is back, but it's certainly not the same, right? And Jean, if you're thinking what I'm thinking, we have to start with the episode where we explored the results of our 2023 Global Business Traveler and Travel Manager Surveys Yes, with a whole lot of help from Nathan Richter of Wakefield Research, who uh, was dropping facts on us left and right. And Nathan shared some really sobering statistics, honestly, with us in that episode. Absolutely. Things like 92% of business travelers believe the future of their careers depends on successful business travel. And at the same time, nearly two thirds, so about 62% feel like they haven't had equal opportunity to travel for business compared to their coworkers. And moreover, they attribute that primarily to their age, accent, or gender. So the takeaway there is that there is a fundamental lack of opportunity of equal opportunity for travel among marginalized travelers. 
And that denial of opportunity can stunt professional growth. And this is impacting, obviously, the travelers, the business travelers themselves. It's also impacting travel managers and the decisions that they're making. And there's really this onus on travel managers now to create these travel programs and policies that address those inequities, right? That foster a positive and equitable employee experience. That's a really tall order when they're also being asked to balance that against those budget constraints, against compliance and safety concerns and other priorities and constraints. Um, and Jean, I, I know for certain you have thoughts on this. Oh, I have all sorts of thoughts. <laughs> but I think one of the pieces here that we need to remember, especially around that idea where people feel that they haven't had equal opportunity to travel, yet it is important for them to move ahead in the organization. 92% say that their future of their career is dependent upon successful business travel. And we talk about ESG and sustainability in the travel field. But when we talk about it, we're always talking about carbon. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about the social part of this. And this becomes something that relates travel to your DNI programs. It relates it to your ESG. Um, so there is a full circle. You can't just talk about this as part of a cost on uh, or a line item in your in your accounting. This has an enormous impact on who is coming to your organization, how you're going to be able to retain those people, and how you're going to provide them with an equal opportunity to move up in your organization. I don't know any time that we would have thought of travel in that way. I know when I was coming up, that was never a conversation that tied around business travel. It's not just duty of care. It's not just safety. It's that idea of expansion. Mm -hmm. And when I think about our travel managers, it is a really challenging time to be a travel manager, right? Yeah. And it's hard for them. We talked about future-proofing at the beginning. It's hard for them to set themselves up for success. There's so many changes happening in the travel market right now. But the biggest pain point that they have is the lack of visibility into data. Mm -hmm. So now we're talking about data and the ability to future-proof, right? So it's that idea that a significant number of them, almost, I think it was almost 100% of them, point to the need for updated data and analytics capabilities to really execute against what their responsibilities are. And there needs to be some sort of flexibility with the data they can give flexibility. And it allows them to stop looking as though they are the bad guys. Mm -hmm. It allows them to anticipate what they need to change in the corporate travel policy. And it allows them to be responsive to the employee needs. They are not there to make your life miserable. They have a job to do and they really want to make everybody successful. But without the data that tells them what people need, it's hearsay. It's, mm -hmm. they don't, it's just, it's just a story someone tells. So they need that information to be able to provide that flip side of the coin of opportunity to travel. 
Absolutely. We, we talked about data-backed decisions and the importance of being able to make data-backed decisions throughout so many different episodes. And it just comes up time and time again, because it's absolutely critical, like we said, and it, it will come up in a conversation we have in just a bit about multi-channel travel in particular and the importance of having that visibility into data. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about that piece that we just hit on, which is that evolution of the, the role of corporate travel managers. And like you said, it is not an easy job these days because really they have shifted away from being those gatekeepers of the travel policy to these creators of what are meant to be value-rich, culturally aligned business travel experiences. And we talked about that in our episode with Ben Claxton of Fox World Travel. And the key learning from that conversation is that travel managers really can't take that set it and forget it approach to their policies anymore. That's just not going to cut it today. And today's travel policies must be agile and regularly reviewed and adjusted, backed by data created in support of company goals and in alignment with company culture. And I really, really appreciated that Ben highlighted that the best travel programs and policies both shape and are shaped by the company culture because that again, similar to that conversation we had about AP and the impact that they can have organization wide, that really demonstrates that powerful opportunity that travel managers have to drive real change and make an impact in their organizations. Um, and Jean, I know you're a firm believer in creating policies of, in not creating pro policies in a silo, I should say, and yeah. in ensuring that you know policies aren't just forced upon those who have to follow them, but they're also informed by those who have to follow them. So I'm wondering if there's anything additional that you'd want to add, add there. So I have said this repeatedly. So uh, excuse me for everybody who's heard me say this multiple times. There are two incredibly personal things that happen to an employee in an organization. The first one is their salary. That is incredibly personal to somebody. So that payroll function is really, really important. The second most personal thing is travel. You are asking somebody to leave home, to travel on behalf of the company. And I know a lot of people think business travel is glamorous. And I'm here to tell you, absolutely not. And I know that organizations are really trying to identify culturally where they sit within their policy. And I think that's a really good thing. I think that that is really where we need to be as travel managers. I think that idea of using travel policies to convey the culture, to identify for employees what that company stands for and use it as a benefit is really something that we never thought about before, but it's something that this next generation of workers is really looking for. So I agree. We cannot set it and forget it anymore. It has to be agile. It has to move quickly. It has to be able to respond to the million things that are happening to us on a daily basis that change with the wind or change with parts of airplanes blowing off an airplane. It's, you know, it's, it's that type of thing. So now what do you do for your employees who are on Boeing jets who are now grounded? Where do you put them in a, in an airline system that is already chock full and not really allowing for space and capacity? What do you do? We need to be aware of those things. Yep. 
there's just so much more to be aware of and how we have, how we think about travel to your point has just fundamentally shifted. So we might as well not ignore the huge elephant in the room, right? That's the global pandemic, which has certainly shifted how travel managers and business travelers alike think about programs and policies, right? Yeah. And we had the chance to talk to Dr. Miles Druckmann, who is a leading expert in international employee and traveler health management at International SOS. And we had the chance to talk with him about sort of this not so perfect storm of overwhelm that today's business travelers are facing. And in this episode, Miles talked about something that I found really intriguing, and that's the idea of building workforce resiliency, right? Yes. And how I know you loved this too, how organizations can proactively cultivate that robust culture of health that's tailored to meet the unique needs of travelers, right? The unique needs of each traveler persona. And Miles really emphasized the resilience piece. And he said, you can't get rid of stress. It's always going to be there, but how we cope with it is really important. And to that end, he shared how helping employees build resilience is a proven strategy that reduces employee stress, whether those employees are working in the office, whether they're working at home, whether they're on the road or in the air. And Miles further explained that employees can build resilience by bolstering something called psychological capital. And he talked about something known as hero, which I hadn't heard of before the conversation with him. So these positive inner resources that include hope, uh, efficacy, resilience, and optimism. That's the hero acronym. And that enables humans to cope with challenges and to bounce back. It enables that resiliency, right? And, you know, to that, Miles had said, you want to store as much as you can and keep saving as much as you can, because when things hit you, which they inevitably will, you're going to be much more resilient. So if you have an employee base that's high in psychological capital, they're going to be much more responsive and effective in dealing with incidents. Um, so how are you feeling, Jean? Is our conversation today giving you a boost of psychological capital? It sure is. Actually, <laughs> actually it really is. Because it talks about some of the things that I have held dear and some of the things that I see within my own organization and I see within many of our customers' organizations. And that's that idea that management and leadership really have to maintain a trust. There's, a, there's an amount of resiliency that the employee can keep, but there has to be trust in there because I can't be hopeful I can't be optimistic if I don't trust my leadership. And there is that idea that, you know, it's a capitalistic society. So in many cases, people are always taught the customer is always right. The customer comes first. But honestly, some of the most successful companies around use the motto of the employees come first. And they will always make sure the customer is happy because they are happy and they feel empowered. So I think this is a really important role. And, you know, we talk about health and all the different types of safety that we have as it relates to travel. But Miles brought up something really interesting that I thought was, it, it hit me hard. We talk about duty of care. 
But there's also this thing called duty of loyalty. And it's not just the hero. It's that duty of loyalty, which is the idea that there is an obligation on the employee to hold up their end of the bargain, whether it's a policy or process, whether it is, you know, an activity that the company has sanctioned, whether it's travel. You have to hold up your end of the bargain in order for your company to be successful. Trust is a two-way street. They have to trust you to do the right thing. You have to trust them to do the right thing. And once you get that, then you can start in on that hero optimism and, you know, efficiency and efficacy and, and hope. It's, it's what we really need as we move forward. It's a holistic approach to your employees managing stress. It has nothing to do with travel. It has everything to do with how you treat your employees. Yeah, it always comes back to the employee experience, doesn't it? Yes, it 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 does. It really is just such a delicate balance between employees and the employer. And that came up too in the conversation that we had with Hansini from Aquis. And and you sort of teased this earlier about the idea of traveler personas and the traveler journey and the full traveler experience. And again, as a marketer, I've thought about personas as a way to better understand the audience I'm marketing to for a long time. But Hansini was sort of the first person to open my eyes and introduce me to the idea of traveler personas. And it makes a lot of sense, right? That you're- Different business travelers have those different needs and they have different pain points and they have different expectations when it comes to business travel. That came up a lot, the expectations that we have as, as employees. And Jean, again, you, you describe travel, business travel as a deeply personal experience in your professional life. Yes. And, you know, I think when cost containment is so often a top priority, which we know it is. People think providing an optimized business traveler experience just must be sacrificed, and that's not necessarily the case. And so I especially appreciated with the conversation with Hansini that she shared how creating these programs with personas in mind and creating those policies to reduce the friction points and creating you know policies that provide the most options to travelers and how simply offering just a little bit of that flexibility and a little bit of that wiggle room in your policies and programs actually exponentially drives compliance and just leads to all around better business outcomes. And that's really, we're talking about, again, that mindset shift. It's one of the many reasons why travel managers and business leaders need to change the way that they're approaching their travel programs and policies to really reflect the expectations of their travelers and to really focus on the traveler experience, which, you know, according to Hansini is means considering all of the pieces of the, the journey. And we know that's no small feat, obviously, but again, like that, that comes down to being an employee retention and an employee attraction play. Yep. Well, and I think one of the things that she talked about that was really interesting to me, we're building personas not to personalize the travel, but to humanize the travel. You can no longer be just a statistic of an employee traveling from point A to point B or spending X number of dollars on a hotel or spending X number of dollars while you eat in an airport. We are people. We are a huge resource to an organization. So from this particular perspective, personas don't mean that you're personalizing. I remember her you know, talking about the different personas. She's a pirate. 
Yes. And <laughs> but was, she deserves to a take be away, a takeaway from the conversation. <laughs> she deserves to be a pirate given the number of flights that she takes in a year and how she travels. And this to me is really the key around your policy. It's not a personalization of travel. It's the humanization of what you expect your employees to do. Yes, I, I love that. I'm so glad you remembered that quote because it is such a powerful one. And and it's so critical. It's so important, um, the humanization aspect of it and just thinking about the em- employees. And I like I said, I'm, I'm glad you remembered that and pulled that one out because that's a, that's a great highlight from the episode for sure. I think we have maybe one more travel-based episode to talk about, then move on to one more theme. And I know this is a a long episode for us, and that's okay. I know. Uh, um, (laughs) So talking about traveler expectations, talking about how business travel as a whole has fundamentally changed the topic of multi-channel travel comes up, right? And we had the opportunity to sit down with SAP Concur's very own president of Concur Travel, Charlie Sultan, and fellow travel thought leader, Paul Tilson on a festive road to have that conversation about multi-channel travel in today's multi-channel reality. And Paul and Charlie explained how business travel suppliers are distributing what they call an explosion of content across a growing number of channels. And that has really rendered the days of booking through a single channel or limited channels obsolete, right? And at the same time, employees want access to multiple channels and the flexibility to book their travel directly. And sort of the savviest and smartest organizations, they recognize that and they're adapting their travel strategies accordingly so that they can keep pace with this multi-channel reality. And then in this episode, this is actually going to come back to data, Jean, one of your favorites. You emphasize that data is the key to understanding the behavior of what's actually happening within your travel program. And travel managers need that visibility into the right data to really be able to effectively administer those company policies and adhere to duty of care and to provide a traveler experience that meets the expectations of their travelers. Um, And to that, you know, Charlie further underscored that importance that organizations have all of the data that they need to be able to make decisions and just do their job properly. And so I do think we'll see that data visibility becoming increasingly important as travel managers are faced, as we've already talked about, with that mounting number of decisions beyond just crafting programs that are cost efficient and have high levels of compliance, but that also foster that positive employee experience and company culture and that also meet sustainability goals. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and you bring it back to the employee experience, and I think that that's true. This whole explosion of multi-channel and omni-channel is because of that employee experience and wanting to be able to provide that. So if you're not tracking what's happening outside in perhaps your preferred partners or maybe even not in your preferred partners, if you're not looking at the leakage, you wouldn't know that your employees are going off channel unless you have the ability to see it. So how do you control it? How do you do this? Because your travelers are becoming way more discerning about the different product selection. And if people are going outside of preferred providers, those organizations lose power and the ability to negotiate. Mm-hmm. That We talk again, personal choice and how employees are focusing on this. So, you know, one of the things that struck me in there was we talked a little bit about future-proofing the organization. And I was saying, you know, I thought that we had reached a tipping point. And Charlie actually said, 
the time for early adopters and visionaries is long gone. Now it's really time for everybody to catch up Mm -hmm. and stop leaving that money on the table. It's time for organizations to find a way to manage both the data Mm -hmm. and the program while still adding value to the organization. And so to me, I really felt like this was a kind of a gauntlet in a way for our travel customers to start thinking about how do you future proof for this? Because the changes are coming fast and furious. This is definitely not one where you set it and forget it. This is truly iterative and you have to be on your toes the entire time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, when I think about future proofing, Jean, and that conversation about the the time for change is now. The time for change was yesterday. The time for change was ten years ago. I think about sustainability, right? Which is another area where businesses are falling behind and sort of have been dragging their feet. And we had two really great conversations last season, and this is leading me right into our our fifth theme, which is that the most successful businesses view sustainability as a strategic focus, not an afterthought. And so I'm, of course, thinking of the conversations that we had featuring Choose and PwC. So we talked with Nina Berger of Choose about the great balancing act that business leaders often play when it comes to sustainability, right? Every business decision comes with a trade-off. We talked about that earlier, and that is just the reality of doing business. And sustainability and other business priorities, like cost containment, you know, don't always go hand in hand. But Nina explained that if organizations understand their sustainability baseline, if they have that data, they can better understand the weight and the impact of their decisions. And they are better equipped to prioritize sustainability initiatives and make the decisions that make the most sense for their organizations. And we talked about the same thing with PwC with Sammy and and John of of PwC, and we kept coming back to the fact that while many businesses do, in fact, want to make more sustainable choices, they don't often know where to start. They don't know the best way to do that based on their own business needs and their own business capabilities and their own areas of strategic focus. And again, it comes back to that data. You know, data is a key part of being equipped to make the best decisions for your business. And when businesses can report on that ESG, you know, data, environmental, social, and governance standards with a high level of trust, they are then equipped to leverage sustainability data for growth and to make the right sustainability decisions for their business and to then actually go on and deliver on those commitments. Um, so those were some some keys. And then, you know, I think for me, the last piece in both that conversation, both conversations with Choose and PwC, I want to highlight a key point that was made, which is that sustainability is an employee checkpoint, right? In sort of this era where employees are demanding more of their employers and they're seeking jobs with purpose and they want to work for organizations that stand for something, to your point earlier, and that have values that align to their own, sustainability has become a major employee recruitment and retention opportunity. So, Jean, those were some of the key takeaways from our sustainability-focused episodes with Choose and PwC. And I I know that last one in particular is one you're passionate about and that resonates with you. So anything you want to add there? Yeah, there were just two things that, that struck me. Nina mentioned, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Just start. And I think that ties back also to something that Sammy had said related to data. We don't have all the requirements for 
collecting that data. And we don't know necessarily everything that governmental agencies are going to ask us to collect. But that doesn't mean that you can't start. It doesn't mean that you can't have a clear understanding of what matters to your organization so that you can then support your business, you can support your community, you can support your employees. I think from a business perspective, you want to take a look at anything that you can control now. There's more that's going to come. This becomes another one of those pieces of we're going to have to iterate as we move forward. We're going to have to really be able to take a look at how we're addressing the ESG goals. And we've talked about ESG in a number of ways. It's not just sustainability. It is DNI. It is governmental requirements. And so these things all play into it. You know, I'll talk till I'm blue in the face about recruitment and how this ties directly into employee recruitment and retention. But I think people are starting to understand that now through examples that happened through 2023 and are continuing in 2024. It's just that idea. You must have the company believe in that goal. They have to rally their business around it. They have to understand what it is that's important to them and then just go ahead and do it. Absolutely. And I love Nina's quote in particular, as a recovering perfectionist, it speaks deeply to my soul, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I've been telling myself that for years. Um, So Jean, you sort of already by default hit home that sixth theme that emerged. um, And that is about the importance of the employee experience. And when we're reflecting and just now recapping all of these conversations that we had on this podcast in 2023, that is really that red thread that's consistent in every single episode. And the just reality is the employee experience touches every facet of how a business is run and every facet of how a business is run touches the employee experience. You know, all roads lead back to the employee experience and leaders and decision makers, they, they can't ignore the employee experience if they want to attract and retain top talent, if they want to build high performing businesses that meet goals, that can prioritize appropriately, that can move proactively towards their desired future state. Yeah. Um, so I, that's a takeaway for me. Yeah. And I a hundred percent agree with that. And in retaining, recruiting and retaining talent is very expensive. <laughs> yes. And some of the things that we're talking about here, some of the small tweaks that can be made to humanize travel, to get better data in looking at how you're working, to identify those preferred vendors, to look at automation so that people have less manual effort, but more ability to use the big brains that they bring with them to their jobs every day. Those are actually don't cost as much as trying to find somebody who not only has the skill set you need, but that fits with your organization. We talked about culture a lot here. And it doesn't have to do, I'm tired of people saying, well, it's the younger generation and they're just spoiled. That's not how it is. I feel that way too. I'm a boomer. I feel that same way. I carry those same feelings. It is really important to me what my company portrays and brings to the world to provide good to their local community, the broader global community, and to their employee community. 
That's how I pick a job. I don't think that has changed. I think we just lost sight of it for a little while when people were desperate for jobs and we didn't have a lot of jobs there. Things have changed a little. We have to remember that again. Employee experience is probably one of the most important pieces for your organization, but it's the one that seems to get the shortest shrift no matter what we talk about. Absolutely. I think you hit home exactly the point and the emphasis that I wanted to make. I mean, it just, it can't, it cannot again, be that afterthought. It has to be a a part of the conversation of, of every conversation, honestly, of a business. And that's a takeaway. So, you know, Jean, thinking about meeting expectations, I think we made a promise at the start of this episode that we might tease what's to come in 2024. So what do you think? Should we offer? We did. Yes, yes, please, please. I'm yes. so excited. <laughs> I, I am equally excited, Jean, uh, to be having more conversations and be back on the other side of the mic for them. Um, <laughs> so Oversight is going to be uh, joining us. So, uh, uh, we're very excited to be releasing this episode in just a few weeks here, talking about how organizations can embrace AI and the innovation it inspires to bring out the best in their businesses. We are also going to be tackling the ever popular topic of fraud with none other than the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, better known as ACFE themselves. That's a big conversation, and we get the, the queen behind ASE. ACFE's notorious studies uh, on talking to us, which will be fantastic. We will be exploring the strategic side of IT, which you don't often hear about. No, um, no, and, but it's a big topic, right? And it's part of when we talk about integration, it's enormous. It is. And then speaking of integration, it's going to come into play in the conversation that we will be having with Deloitte about the organizational impact of mergers, acquisitions, and divestitures. So another new topic for us, how HR and travel leaders can balance employee and business needs to elevate the employee experience while also achieving business priorities. And of course, so much more to come. That is just a taste at what we've been up to. And we're very excited to bring more episodes to our listenership in 2024. Well, thank you for that little snack and sneak behind the curtain view of what we're going to be tackling this year. I'm really excited for this. And and also to those of you who are listening, if you have a topic you'd like us to explore, I've actually heard from a number of you. I would love to hear from you. What would you like us to talk about? What's top of mind for you? Is it something that we haven't explored yet? Or is it something you'd like us to explore more deeply? So let us know and I will put it on my never ending list to Kelly and she will take care of it because that's what she does. So, Kelly, I want to thank you for coming here and coming from outside the other side of the microphone and spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jean. It's been a pleasure. And thank you all for listening to this episode of SAP Concur Conversations. To hear more exclusive insights and interviews from the world of business travel, expense, or invoice processing, or to just catch up on something you might have missed, or maybe to listen again because we've wet your whistle a little bit and you want to hear a little bit more, be sure to subscribe and listen wherever you find your podcasts. And please join us again for our next SAP Concur Conversation. Thank you.